Remember that roundtable presentation I've been talking to you guys about? Well, here it is. Unfortunately, though, the sound file that I thought I would get didn't get recorded. So we managed to pull some sound out of an iPad video. But you know, iPad video microphone, big room. Sorry, folks, this is not the greatest audio that we've had on Geological. And I really apologize about that. And in the future, hopefully, we will not have these kind of snafus with the recording equipment. But it's the best I can do. So give it a listen, and I hope you find it helpful. These conversations come to you through the generous support of our sponsors and members. All the sponsors here provide helpful products or services that you'll find beneficial in your clinical work. Worried that an EMR is too complex for you? Jane has friendly and knowledgeable support. Mayway Herbs is celebrating the 55th year of their family business. You're invited to make use of their vast library of resources. Are you concerned about the health of Mother Earth? AccuFast Needles is doing something about that. You can too. And later in the show, Ancestral Sturman offers up a sinew treatment, and the folks at Blue Poppy have something special to share as well. Do be sure to visit the sponsors page on the Geological website to take advantage of all the special offers our terrific sponsors have for listeners of the podcast. I don't know about you, but sometimes I take a step back and marvel at my acupuncture needles. I mean, they're the world's simplest medical tool, a sharpened wire and a handle. That's it. And with this simple tool, hundreds of health conditions can be resolved. I love it. What I didn't love was the amount of packaging waste I generated at the end of the day. But that has now changed too. Ever since I switched to AccuFast Earth-Friendly Needles, I reduced my packaging waste by 90%. Not only are they a great needle, but the folks at AccuFast plant a tree for every two boxes of needles I use in the clinic. By switching to AccuFast Needles, you'll be helping patients, planting trees, and joining a community of practitioners changing the world. Like our simple needle, being a part of this solution, it's simple too. Visit AccuFastNeedles.com slash geological to learn how. Hi folks, I'm Yvonne Lau, president of Mayway Herbs. Our family business turns 55 this year, and we wouldn't have gotten this far without the love and support of our community. We're truly grateful and promise you that we'll continue to work hard to support you and your practice. Please visit Mayway.com to find the perfect Ponsar brand formula or formulate your own in our dispensary. Our site also has lots of articles, videos, and herbal recipes for you to explore. And tune into our podcast, Chinese Medicine Matters, for insightful discussions on all things TCM. Learn about treatment strategies and powerful herbal remedies. As we welcome the month of May, our focus is on women's health. Our newsletter articles and podcast episodes this month will highlight different aspects and unique challenges women face. So subscribe or tune in. And if you're a practitioner, get a discount on our women's health formulas this month. Just visit Mayway.com. This season and every season, trust Mayway Herbs for your health and wellness needs. And thank you for supporting Real Chinese Medicine. I love how technology can help to automate my office. And I want to share with you my favorite tool for doing so, Jane. Jane is a clinic management software in EMR with a human touch. Whether you're switching your software or going paperless for the first time, 
The Jane team knows that the onboarding process can feel a little overwhelming. That's why with Jane, you don't just get software, you get a whole team. Included in every Jane subscription is their award-winning customer support available by phone, email, and chat whenever you need it, even Saturdays. You can also book a free account setup consultation to review your account and ensure you feel confident about going live. If you're interested in making the switch to Jane, head to jane.app/switch to book a one-on-one demo with a member of their support team. And be sure to mention the code Geological at the time of sign up for a one-month grace period on your new Jane account. Today we've got just an hour here for a fantastic question and answer opportunity with our panel. I'm Michael Max. I'm the host of uh, Geological Podcast. I've had a chance to meet some of you, and uh, hopefully I'll get a chance to talk to some others before this is all over. And uh, delighted to be here to take Flavor of the Podcast out to our larger community. Really delighted to have four luminaries here with us today. We've first of all got the godfather of sports acupuncture, Whitfield Reeves. Hillary Passer, she was a member of the U.S. ski team for three years. Acupuncture saved the bacon after she overtrained. Athletes overtraining, imagining that. So she's here with us. She's also the uh, acupuncturist for the Minnesota Vikings and some other pro athletes as well. So really looking forward to having you. Matt Callison, you know this cat. I don't think you need an introduction at this point. The famous Mr. Chad Bong, he runs this little thing called the uh, Acupuncture Sports Alliance. Sports <laughs> Acupuncture Alliance. With all your teams, what an amazing event. So we've got some questions on Facebook. We're gonna run through a few of these and then we can take some questions from the audience as well. So, uh, oh wait, one last thing, that's right. Um, if if all of you on our panel, we can start with the Godfather over here. Didn't Godfather die of death? That was the Godfather of the Mafia, the Godfather of sports acupuncture. It's a whole different story. We're Mafia. Um, <laughs> so if each of you could just take a moment and tell us uh, what sports world you found your way into, what aspects of the sports world you found yourself into and treating, and just the elevator version of how you got yourself there, or what happened, what were the circumstances? Overwhelmingly aerobic distance endurance athletes is uh, how I got my start. Runners, distance runners, marathoners, uh, triathletes, um, cyclists. I'm not sure what elevators are, so I don't know how to answer that question, but the synopsis of what I would say is that the way to to transition yourself into the athletic world or into specifically the professional athlete athletic world is to do really good treatments. Period. So yeah, I, I'm an endurance athlete, uh, US cross country ski team. I don't look much like an alpine skier. And as I as was said, I overtrained 
And so I started to work on athletes. I've also done the Boston Marathon and, and uh, the Kona Ironman. So definitely have done a lot of endurance stuff. So it's sort of odd that I'm with, you know, an NFL team, NHL guys, baseball. Um, but I think one of the major things for me is my background. It really gives the guys um, confidence that I understand what they're going through and what their body feels like and, you know, wanting to stay on the field, so to speak. Um, and just like Whit said, you have to be really good at what you do and a little bit of luck of being at the right place at the right time, um, you know, to meet the people that could, you know, help project and catapult your career. Uh, background with athletic training and physical education as it was a start, and then as far as the acupuncture piece, is always been interested in musculoskeletal treatment. And then, just like what Whit said and Larry said, is that you've got once you treat one professional athlete and they love what you do, and they're going to tell all of their partners, and then pretty soon you have a whole practice of all of these professional athletes because what they're getting is so different from what they're getting in their own training room. And, and from my experience, because I used to treat the Minnesota Vikings, I flew out there for three years in a row. The players are the ones that brought me in. The training staff wanted nothing to do with me, even though I tried to contact them. This was a while ago, so the training staff might have changed. Um, it was the players. It was the players that really responded. They put me into a hotel room, a big, huge suite, and the doors would open at 7 a.m. and close at 8 p.m. They would just come in. And it was, it was something that I wanted to be able to speak with the trainers about what my findings was and what I was doing. And they really, at that time, didn't really want much to do with me, but the players really enjoyed it. So the same thing can happen in your own private practice. Just treat the players, do a great job, and they're going to tell their friends. Yeah, so I think all the stories have the same base to them as work hard, prep, so that when this opportunity arises, you take advantage of it. So I also think that making connections with other acupuncturists is helpful to do this because the, one of my big breaks into the uh, athletic world, which is, let's say, Olympic level track athletes is the big thing that I'm treating currently at the highest, you know, the highest level athletes in them. And some NFL guys, one of them, the track athletes, came from this track athlete called just like the first acupuncturist that comes up on Google, if you Google Philadelphia and acupuncture, called that person, that person was like, asked them what was going on, and she told them what was going on, and he said, oh, you should go see Chad. So, because I had a connection with this other acupuncturist is how I got into this Olympic athlete world. Um, so get out there in your, your community and talk to people and make connections. Refer, refer patients to other acupuncturists. I, I refer you know, internal medicine stuff to other acupuncturists all the time. So, but that helped me build this network of people that, that allowed that connection to happen. Since I send people to them, they're willing to send people back to me. And then once I got that athlete, I treated that athlete and, you know, same story. Like, the athlete loved what happens, and then a bunch of that athlete's friends, and actually the next thing was the athlete's coach. I treated the athlete's coach, and then it exploded from there, and, and now it, the ball is really rolling. Uh, so I think the story is similar for all of us. And same with Kai yesterday and everybody I've ever interviewed on my podcast. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> so that, that word of mouth and, and getting a reputation within the community really seems to be a good thing. Yeah, connections I think are important. Yeah. Probably all of us had somebody who connected us with somebody, and that's how it exploded. So. We're going to get into these Facebook questions in a moment, but I, I just want to follow up with something that you guys have been saying. In treating players, was the players that really started talking among the other players. Now, I think we know as acupuncturists, our practices grow by word of mouth all the time, right? And whether it's people bringing family members or friends or, or whatever. I'm wondering if maybe in your guys' experience that, that there's like more of a buzz that happens within a sports team than within like a family or a friend network or um, you know, non-professionals. Is there something different about the way professionals communicate with each other that, that make this a particularly important aspect of building practice? There's a big camaraderie in the sports team. It's a team. And when one person sees it, they just found something that's the cutting edge. They want everybody on that team to be able to go and see this person because they want to win. And so when you can get into that energy and that's it's the camaraderie. That's the big thing. Is this? I think it's different than the family member because most families are dysfunctional. <laughs> Sorry, I thought it was the truth. With with sports teams, though, I mean these people are brothers or sisters. You know, they're trying to invest in their win for a common purpose. For me, as well with the with the Vikings, is um, you know families don't spend a lot of time together usually, but they spend a lot of time in their locker room. And so when I first started with them, I'm like, you know, a training camp, asking where they heard about me, wondering if they had been, you know, referred to by the trainer or not. And they said, oh yeah, the guys in the locker room are talking about you. So they just overhear it, or they'll say, oh god, I got a hammy thing, and they're like, oh, you should go see blah blah blah. So. I think, like Matt said, there's just a lot more communication. They're not as dysfunctional. Um, they want to win really badly, but they also are in a room together a lot of the day, and that would be bad for a lot of families. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, kind of just that that bond that they have is very different. You get one person, and now everybody involved with these track athletes is because they don't go anywhere else. They're just like I'm the first pathway to go through because one person, you know, so they, they're very tight bonded group and that's what teams are about, so. Hello everyone, Anne Cecil Sturman here. A working knowledge of the eight extraordinary channels from the unbroken oral tradition of acupuncture is valuable beyond words. The power of these channels is tremendous if the practitioner has well integrated diagnostic, theoretical and practical skill. You'll be familiar with Dumai, the governor channel or the sea of Yang, the primal reservoir of Yang, which ultimately finances all movement and growth. But this channel also governs the ability to self-determine. The psycho-emotional presentation of your patients can be matched to a classical activation of this channel, clearing impedance in the free flow of Yang Qi to body, mind and spirit. I'd like to share with you the marvelous potency of the Do channel in a full-length live treatment video from the seminar I taught last year in Melbourne, Australia. It's at ancecilsturman.com forward slash sinews2024. Click on the jump to free teaching button or see the link on my Instagram page at ancecilsturman. Thanks, Michael. Back to you. 
My experience is almost the opposite. <laughs> and such is my life, often. <laughs> the, um, I started with runners and triathletes, and these were individual competitive athletes who often were competing against themselves, you know, for a personal best, or, you know, occasionally you'd be fortunate enough to get someone who could win a race, you know, an entire race. But if they found something that worked, they did not often want their training partners to get this information because they would no longer have this edge. So, so it wasn't always such a, the camaraderie thing was not, in my experience, in the early years anyway, uh, when I started. Uh, later, as triathletes were teams and running teams were happening rather than just individuals running, um, then the, that camaraderie thing started to happen. But I think that uh, the most important thing um, that underlies it all is communication. It's sort of what everyone is saying. People are talking. But you have to know the language. So that if a, if a, if a runner comes in and says that they're, uh, they ran negative splits on this, uh, on this marathon and they notice that they're their resting pulse rate has been, you know, several beats higher, or some other jargon around uh, around how their training is going. You need to know that. You need to know what that means. And if you don't know what that means, you go home that night and you read until you know what that means. Because these athletes are not going to refer patients to you if you don't know negative splits or increased resting heart rate or whatever the parameter that they are talking about. So you've got to know what their life is like. So that, I think, is very important. And, and in an interview, when you can say, well, you know, so, so what is your resting pulse rate? And, and when you're doing a, a normal training run, you know, how close to maximal heart rate or 80% of maximal heart rate uh, is your run, you know? And, and when you can speak with some sort of clarity like that, they know you understand who they are and what they're doing. And, um, and so if it's, a, if, if it's within the context of training, that language is important. If it's in the context of anatomy, I think it's really important to kind of go, oh, this is where it hurts, huh? And really get that assure point and, and have them kind of go, oh, yeah, nobody has ever found this point quite like this. You really know where the problem is. And you follow that up with a picture, with an illustration of the anatomy, and say, this is the problem, and this is how we fix it. So that they, now you're communicating anatomically about the treatment rather than uh, within the context of a lifestyle training. But that knowledge base, that language is essential. You can't go in there with demons and wind and heat and cold and, and, and energy reversing going up and down and out or something, you know, just, you know, it's not going to work, you know, uh, in terms of you know, bringing about any sense of confidence for most athletes. Yeah, it's interesting how a team sport versus an individual sport will take a really, really different approach. Got to know your sport, got to know your language. Uh, I'm going to take a question from Facebook here. Uh, when getting started, do you recommend focusing on increasing athletic performance or preparation, 
or recovery, you know, as a practitioner who's developing their practice with that base? The way I look at it mostly is keeping them on the practice field or keeping them on the track or whatever. So the, the little bits you can get thinking about performance, like some sort, you know, is, is great, but the amount you can get from the training throughout the year is the most valuable piece of it. If they can never miss a workout because you did your job and kept them out there, that's the greatest thing that you can do for them, I think, is to keep them out there training. Um, so that's that's my focus, is keeping them on, you know, out there practicing. It's way more to me. The other stuff, those two, the performance and the recovery, recovery, you know, to get out there packed quicker maybe, but I'm talking about the, keeping them out of injuries is the most important thing to me. I was kind of wearing two different hats in my mind, and I totally agree with what Chad's talking about is consistency. When somebody's coming in with aches and pains because they're training so much, to, to make sure that the muscles are pulling evenly, the chi and blood is moving through the area, they're posturally correct, so they are able to train as consistently as possible. And rehabbing that person to keep them on the field or whatever sport they are, that's one hat. Now, as they actually progress and they're becoming more pain-free, then you can start dabbling into more sports performance and human performance in my mind. Because the treatment for a human performance or sports performance is actually a lot less the way I do it than it is in rehabbing an injury. Because you're, you're doing a sports performance protocol the way that I do with acupuncture moxibustion pre-events. And it only takes the way that I do it like only 10 minutes to do it. Right? And that's, you're not addressing an injury. So it's like two different hats really. You're going for rehab and balancing versus enhancement of chin blood moving through the body perfectly for that particular event. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess it would also depend on where your heart is. Like, this is coming from a practitioner asking, you know, where they should focus their practice to potentially draw athletes in. As an athlete myself, you know, and I don't know if you're asking recovery from an injury or just, re- you're, you know, you're one day off. But with the USC team and stuff, like, we would be training two to three times a day. Our day off was gold. Um, and almost more important than any of the intervals that we did was that rebuilding your system. So in that way, recovery is really important so that you can get back out there and train you know, a zillion times again before you get another day off. The performance aspect is maybe gonna be more important and more exciting to, to certain practitioners and to certain athletes. So people are gonna find you for what they want. Um, you know, pre-game, I sometimes don't see anybody, but I see them on Tuesday. And I see them Tuesday religiously, you know, that's their, reco- that's their recovery day. But I would never see them on Friday or Friday before a game. So they kind of find you as well, and I sort of let that flow. Kind of let the chi flow and let them figure it out a little bit. So I guess I'm a little wishy-washy on that one, but it kind of depends on what you attract and then what they're looking for. I agree with most of what's being said, but I'll comment on this tomorrow afternoon, I think, is when I'm supposed to speak on this afternoon. Sure. But 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 by and large, of all the studies on athletic performance, the two legal things that seem to stand out are that training, proper training, enhances athletic performance, and coffee enhances athletic performance. And everything else is a hit and a miss, you know? And so 
Let's take another one here from uh, Facebook and then we'll get into the audience here. The advantages and disadvantages of treating athletes at their training facilities and or events as opposed to getting them to come to your clinic like your other patients do. Whatever is appropriate. I don't have anything intelligent to say. For me, it's really different being at the Vikings facility versus um, actually I'm joining a collaboration of practitioners with Twin Cities Orthopedics in about a week and a half. So I'll be across the practice field from them, which will be really nice. They can you know, walk or ride their bike or golf cart or whatever. So it's going to be a different answer. But um, at my studio, at my private practice, I still treat them very differently than I would treat um, some other people that come in. I spend more time with them, do a lot more manual um, with them just because of their hitting a brick wall, you know, for a living. Um, so right, wrong, right, or otherwise, um, maybe I should be treating every patient with that much detail, but I do, I am able to give them more body sugar, you know, at my private practice than I am on the 45 minutes at the facility. I, I, only from my own, my own experience and that and it's probably there's different situations that can occur but when, when treating in a facility sometimes you're going to be watched by other people of exactly what you're doing um, moxibustion is usually not allowed place. Um, like you were saying you're going to have limited time per patient um, it's often in a training room and not in a single room so it's not always, but you're going to be amongst a lot of people watching what you're doing. You may not actually be able to do the assessment that you want to do because somebody else is doing that assessment, like the team physical therapist or the team athletic trainer. So you're a little bit handicapped in what you can do because you're the acupuncturist and all you're supposed to do is put needles in people and nothing else. Whereas in your clinic, behind closed doors, you're doing everything that you want to be doing. Yeah, track athletes don't really have facilities. <laughs> um, but yeah, the NFL guys have all treated the ball come to me, so I don't really have anything to add. We have a question from the audience. Let me come to you so you can speak into the mic. In many parts of practice, we see the average migraine come in or period problem or a sprained knee. Working with professional athletes, I'm sure you see that, but even more with somebody who's been training extreme, in extreme, both physically and mentally. And I wonder if that drives you deeper and harder to understand Chinese medicine. And what was your biggest aha? This is something interesting about Chinese medicine that I never would have learned unless I had to work with these kinds of professionals. I would say the most important aha uh -huh, for me is that if you look at the cause of disease as endogenous the emotions exogenous the um, when he cold damp or other other causes of disease include blood stagnation phlegm trauma etc etc the really the viewpoint is that this is other cause of disease trying to figure out their relationship with their mother or trying to look at some organ dysfunction is just not really nearly as expeditious, expedient as understanding that they're pushing themselves and that's a cause of disease. That, that is 
overtraining lifestyle, however you'll want to look at this. I'm going to talk about this some tomorrow again. But it's really allowing yourself to go into this other causes of disease and, and find a way to work with that thereby abandoning so many of the other things that we think, we seem to think are important, Zan Fu, Jing Wo, the emotions, and kind of go, you know, this is not the way to get there, you know? And that was hard for me, because I had it, I, I really thought this medicine was was really, you would have a, a, a Zan Fu dysfunction, and a Jing Wo dysfunction, an emotional piece that all fit together, and it would correspond exactly to the injury, and it didn't work out that way. And so the aha was to let go of this stuff and look at trauma, for instance, and overtraining as the cause of disease. And it kind of frees you up to just approach it in a really simple, relatively uh, unintelligent sort of way, you know, not very pristine at all, but, but it works. I was trying to quickly come up with something in my head. Um, you know, being the athlete and then overtraining, training for the Olympics, and basically having my heart ripped out and having to figure out who I was without being Hillary the skier. Um, you know, I luckily found acupuncture. But that's a little bit of my aha as well as is just that experience that I had. Um, when I graduated, for my master's, I wanted, I thought facial acupuncture sounded really great and, you know, some nice massage and stuff. I wanted nothing to do with athletes because I had been so, you know, beaten up and slowly started to get back into it through different um, continuing educations, different modalities, you know, going to all the PT conferences in Minnesota and all of that. So those were, I had little aha moments of going, oh wait, no, this is, like, this is me. I really tried to ignore it. This is me. I, I came back home. I'm really glad, though, you know, for, for my TMI, I did step away because when I came back, it was real. And it wasn't just something that I did because it was easy. It was something I did because it's, like, what I'm supposed to do. The treatments are easier. The chi and blood is so clean with professional athletes. They are driven, their shen is usually very straight, they have a focus. They're being treated by numerous people. And because their chi is so clean, less needles, less effort, their diet is usually really good, so there's less things to be able to focus on compared to the average job. It's actually, in my mind, it's easier. That took my answer. <laughs> I mean, I feel like sometimes when these people come in, their bodies are so amazing. It's like I could think about doing acupuncture on them and they would be perfectly fine the next day out on the track run. I mean, it's amazing sometimes the things they hobble in with and are racing the next weekend. It's amazing sometimes. How? One of the things that's forced me to do is to be really good at translating the concepts of acupuncture into the Western medical, or in just regular language even, you know, to, to explain it to people who are, are not necessarily even Western medically trained, just people who are, you know, they're athletes, they, they understand their muscles, but athletes don't always know much about the training they're doing. They're just, they show up and their coach says, run, and they're like, okay, 
and then they're, they're done and they go home and eat and sleep and recover and go back again. So you got to be able to explain stuff to them in a way that they can understand it. And I think that's been a super valuable tool to me. Would any of you like to comment about or critique a Chan Gunn's book? I can't remember if it's called Myofascial something, but uh, anybody? Um... Chan Gunn was influential in my development, and I think he's influential in where acupuncture has gone. He's not an advocate of traditional Chinese medicine, let's put it that way. But his concepts of looking at motor point tenderness as a diagnostic factor for spondylosis is monumental. So, Chiang Gun was definitely a big figure in the, um, the evolution, I would say, of sports acupuncture. He did good work, gotta give him that. In recent years, the Sa'am acupuncture style has generated significant interest and a loyal and growing following. In the Sa'am approach, a precise diagnosis leads to a four-needle treatment to address the five-element and six-chi imbalances in the body. The four needles target the controlling and generating cycles. It's common using this method for the needle sensation to be stronger than in many other styles. Thus, the choice of needle becomes important. The Unico brand of needles lends itself to both strong and gentle techniques. These superior needles are made of uncoated Japanese surgical stainless steel and feature the best guide tube on the market with its unique beveled edge. Additionally, Unico needles have a tensile property that helps with freehanding needles into Jingwell points and allows you to more easily feel the arrival of Qi. Blue Poppy is the exclusive importer and distributor of Unico needles. Use the code QI2024 to save 10% off Unico needles at www.bluepoppy.com. You'll be glad you did. I would agree very much. And, you know, he, he set the tone along with Janet Travell of anatomical thinking and uh, an anatomical basis for acupuncture, even though he, as Matt said, wasn't necessarily an advocate of Zhang Fu Jing Lo, you know, uh, very influential. But you can tell how important and brilliant he was because his students are just really, so many of his students in Canada are just very, very precise and very, very fine. And so he's left a lineage and, you know, I don't know all of it. I don't know all of them personally well, you know, but great respect for, for Janet. How to work with local and professional teams? Persistence. Find somebody, contact them, and then contact them, and then find somebody else and contact them, whatever, you know. Start off with, you know, maybe a little smaller, you know, uh, team, you know. Again, I'm not going to go home and just call the Eagles. I would, you know, maybe start off with the, the Arena League football team, the Seoul, instead, you know, something like that. You know, hard, harder to crack into the top than it is to work your way up a little bit, I think. Personal views in the current and future state of sports acupuncture. <laughs> 
How much time do we have? I, I think Matt wants to go. No, <laughs> no, but that's there's so much to that. Not father. Come on. He dies a terrible death. <laughs> the story ends. No. I'm, I, you know, we are as a community creating sports acupuncture. You know, as we move through every day in this moment and this weekend. We just keep adding to it. We continue to have lectures and, and articles, and people have aha moments in a clinic and write about it or communicate about it. We're adding, you know, it, it's a growing, it's it's an alive, it's a lineage-based um, medicine, and so so it, it, the knowledge base just keeps being added to and. And I don't know where it's going. I don't care where it's going. You know, it it is going, and it is being influenced by the trigger point people who you know dry needling people, uh, Chan Gun students, by traditional acupuncturists, by athletes. It it's just keeps getting added to, and uh, it will continue to evolve, and it will need. At some point, differentiation between um, sports acupuncture and anatomical acupuncture and orthopedic acupuncture. They all have different um, uh, aspects to it. And I think the most important piece with sports acupuncture is kind of what I commented on before, the importance of the practitioner really understanding the psyche of the athlete. Actually, like in Steve's original question about this athlete that is being driven to to training uh, for some reason, you know, the uh, sports acupuncture, as we develop all these treatments, must and will include understanding the psyche of the of, of the athlete or translating the emotional states, you know, the shin, the disturbances of shin and the other emotions. And how that you know translates to the competitive athlete, and you know we're still growing that, uh, but that would be the piece of sports acupuncture differentiated from anatomical or orthopedic acupuncture, slightly different. It's a really exciting time, I think. Athletes are being healthier, like Matt said. They're eating better. Um, concussion is a really big deal. So they're really paying a lot more attention, as are the trainers, as are the coaches, as is anybody who is putting their you know, money down on these guys. So they want to pay for the best of the best to keep you know, these million-dollar bodies performing well. And then later, you know, not having quite the same side effects that they did you know, back in the day where they didn't have to wear helmets and stuff like that. So I think if we can come together as a community, we were talking about it at lunch, we're just so separate and really come together at things like this and communicate and educate and get excited and then go out and drag more people into it and, you know, get this massive amoeba going um, because the athletes want it, the coaches want it, the trainers want it, um, and we can provide it. Um, the athletes love the more shiny stuff. You didn't think they would, and then they're like, oh, I love that. And, you know, you can bring little bits of that in. So we have that ability to, to be different than the dry needling and, you know, the PTs and, and the trainers and stuff and really make 
that arena ours and own it. But we need to do it because the time is right now, I think, where they're really open to these kind of modalities. This is really kind of a Pandora's box with this one. Sports acupuncture, I, I don't think there's a definition. I think it's left up to interpretation because there are so many different people that practice sports acupuncture. It could be Japanese acupuncture, it could be phylo-mental acupuncture, but they specialize in sports. Is there one way of doing it? Heck no. There's no way there's one way of doing it. But the common ground is that the more popular that acupuncture and traditional Chinese medicine, in my mind, because like my roots are in TCM, love it, want to continue to practice it, is the more popular that TCM acupuncture becomes, and the more popular that sports acupuncture is going to become. But also as well as gynecology. In the field of gynecology, TCM is skyrocketing. So there's different fields because acupuncture and the efficacy of acupuncture and TCM is really now, in the last decade, being recognized. Yeah, I think it's a super exciting time. I mean, that's why you're here. I think it's an exciting time. I think we're going in a great direction. Um, but really, this is my question to you guys. Where do you want to see this go? And how can we facilitate that as the Sports Acupuncture Alliance? Um, <laughs> we got four of us got together and we're like, hey, let's start something. And we started with this conference, but we want to see this grow from here into something where we really bring everybody together and we're able to, you know, go in some kind of direction that you know a lot of people want to see us go and build something um, and create a great community. And we're not quite sure how we want to do that. We want some feedback from you guys. So, uh, from my standpoint, this is more of a question for you guys than it is for, for us. I'm both a chiropractor and an acupuncturist, and I remember watching Joe Montana get adjusted just before the Super Bowl. Is anybody old enough to remember that? Okay. And that was monumental for the chiropractic profession, that working with athletes got chiropractors into everybody's lexicon. So now everybody has a chiropractor. It's exciting to see that, and it would be really exciting to see in the acupuncture profession, if you could take that, don't make some of the same mistakes that Kairos did, and I can give you a list, um, and bring acupuncture into the main, in the mainstream, and let everybody have an acupuncturist, okay? And then you have the specialties of the facial acupuncture, the gynecology, the sports acupuncture, and the high-profile athletes are a great venue, a great vehicle for the profession. And so whether you want to treat your runners or your athletes or the Vikings or, or if you just want to tap in and be able to ride the wave, however we can support this, we support the profession as a whole, I believe. I mean, that's happening with athletes. I mean, the... James Harrison and uh, Kobe Bryant and Serena Williams. I just watched a documentary on Serena Williams. West Got Palm Beach. in the documentary. You know, it's happening. The athletes are starting to show that they're doing this stuff, and I think it's going to be great for us. Yeah. So like Matt, my background is athletic training, and I've spent 
hundreds, hundreds of hours in the training room, and I've always wanted, if I had more time, to be able to volunteer or work in a, an athletic training setting. So it's not my ideal setting, but I think it's so important that we infiltrate training rooms to start becoming part of the traditional athletic training program in colleges, high schools. There needs to be a lot of open minds in order to be able to have that come in, and it's happening. It's happening. I mean, think about what was happening 15 years ago. There wasn't there wasn't that much. Yeah, even 10 years ago, but exponentially every year there is just more and more acupuncturists in hospitals and training rooms. It's becoming more accepted. Another 10 years from now, it's, it's just going to be amazing. I mean, places like Southwest Acupuncture College works with University of Colorado. If I ever find some time, I'm going to try to create a clinic for the Wallen Institute that's working with one of the you know, universities in Philadelphia. Um, we're, doing a lot. We're doing a lot in Minnesota as well, at Northwestern. Okay. Yeah. There's a, a lot of research as well. I think research is really important too. You know, Northwestern um, actually attached themselves to some teams, right? Right. I mean, the school itself yeah. is attached themselves. That was post me, but yes. <laughs> I think as far as I'm answering Chad's question of where you want to see it, it says Sports Acupuncture Alliance, so it's creating that network. We have Whipple Reeves, like Matt said, there's so many people doing sports acupuncture, there's so many different styles. So it's about creating that network where we can pretty much all come together and start working towards that greater goal of being sports acupuncture mainstream. Of course, it's gonna to be tough, because like I said, some people have the ego and think they reinvented the wheel, but it's just creating that network, referring to each other, getting knowing, you know, how to advance our training. We have Whitful Reeves, we have Matt Collison, we have many programs and many things at our hands. And I think once we start utilizing that fully and start pretty much spreading it to each other and creating like a strong network in which we know, hey, we do sports acupuncture, we're professionals, we're doctors, so on and so forth, that we can get that broad scope and make this a true alliance that's solid in the field of sports medicine acupuncture or sports acupuncture. Yeah. I see that there's still other questions. I'm sorry, but our time is up. So I would encourage you to take the questions that you've all got and uh, continue talking with each other through this evening, through the rest of uh, the conference, uh, on and on as, as we all connect, because you know, having this alliance, having this group, is really what moves this stuff forward. Uh -huh. <laughs> Okay, that's it for this episode. I hope you found this discussion to be as helpful and interesting as I have. Thanks as always for listening. If you liked this conversation, if you learned something new or found a moment of inspired insight, share the episode with your friends. If you want to support Geological, there's just one way to do that. It's by going to the website and becoming a member or leaving a one-time contribution today. Well, folks, that's it for today. Join us again next Tuesday for another conversation that connects up the voices of our community.